This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. Why don't you open your Bibles to Little John, 1 John. You know the difference? Little John, 1 John. It's at the back of your Bible. James, John, Jude, and Revelation. So if you get to Revelation, come back this way. You'll find Jude. Then you'll find 3 John, 2 John, and 1 John. The little Johns. Three chapters. So if you blink, you miss them. Amen. Well, the title of my message today is under the theme... Seeing his kingdom and sharing his love. And we're talking about the law of displacement. Everybody say the law of displacement. The law of displacement. This is a law. Just like we have the law of faith. How many of you know that faith is a law? Now here's the thing about laws. You may not believe in them. You may not think they're true. And that has no bearing on whether they are or not. Because they're a law. I have many people that don't believe that there are certain laws that apply to them. Until they find out that it does. I love some of the videos on YouTube where you see people doing things that are supposedly defying gravity. Only to find out that gravity is still there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Have you seen all those videos with face plants? You know what a face plant is? That's when you try to do a trick and you do something and you land up on your face. Or a scorpion. When you land on your face and your legs come over and touch the top of your head the other way. It's not supposed to happen that way. And that's because there are certain people that literally don't believe that they have to observe the law of gravity. Well... There are laws that are spiritual and natural. And sometimes, as in the law of displacement, it is both natural and spiritual. It's a law that we are going to be delving into this morning. But before we do that, let's look at the verse of Scripture, 1 John 1 and verse 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. I am deeply concerned for Christians. I am deeply concerned for you. That you come into an understanding of the importance of A real relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, the degree to which your relationship is real is the degree to which you have heard, seen with your own eyes, looked at, and your own hands have touched concerning the word of life. Unlike many religions of the world, Christianity is not a religion of academic prowess. 
We've made it that. We've made it that, hey, if you academically understand that you're somehow a better Christian. The truth of the matter is God never intended that. God always intended for Christianity to be a religion and a faith where you encounter God on a daily basis, where you're having experiences with God, where God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you, leads you, guides you, habitates in you, directs you, makes his home in you. And I'm shocked at how many Christians live their lives so carefully so as to arrive at death's door safely. Do you get that? You see, the Christian life was never meant to be lived carefully. It was to be lived radically. It was to be lived without fear of death, without fear of the enemy, without fear. God never meant you to fear. God never meant you to go into a situation and be doubting or fearful. He said, no, I'm going to put you into situations where you can see me work, feel my presence, where my hand moves. I want you to encounter me in a way that is real, not theory. Thank you for that one clap. I'll tell you, this is a tough crowd this morning. Amen. So there's a story that's told of Archimedes. Now Archimedes is a Greek mathematician, physicist, engineer, and astronomer. About, I think it was around 200, I don't know if it was AD or BC, but around that time period, in that 400, 500 year period. And he's studying, he's a mathematician, he's, he's figuring stuff out. And uh, the story's told that he is letting himself sink into a bathtub that had been filled to the brim. And as he sinks into the bathtub with the water filled to the brim, the water begins to pour over the side of the tub. And suddenly he jumps up and he runs naked down the hallway yelling, Eureka, Eureka, I found it. And he had just found what he described as the law of displacement. Now, in reality, he discovered something that's more related to buoyancy than he did the law of displacement. But the truth of the matter is, from that experience began his studies, his theory, and his postulation on the subject of displacement. Now, the book of Deuteronomy says this. This day, Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19 this day I call the heavens and the earth, this is God, as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that your children may live. Here's what the law of displacement is all about. Here's how it applies to you and I today. Here's how it applies to these scriptures. Two things cannot fill the same place at the same time. Two things cannot fill the same space. I mean, it's a, quite a simple idea. But... If you insert one thing into the space or the time or the mind or whatever else container you want to put, you 
in turn, by doing so, exclude the alternative from happening. You have chosen one and not the other. In other words, if you choose one, the other is displaced. Does that make sense? For example, if I were to have a glass up here and begin to pour water into it, the water is displacing the air that is in the cup. Is that correct? You can't have air and water in the same space. Is that, do you get the picture? I know this isn't rocket science. But the example, or an example that I want to bring to your attention is where one chooses to insert a story about how terrible or how awful something is. Every time you put a story about how something is bad or awful, it excludes anything else, such as talking about something positive. You see, complaining or seeking sympathy excludes happiness. You see, putting anything negative in the space excludes anything positive. If a person wants to be happy, then a person must make a choice not to insert anything else into the space. No matter the effort required. That is, if you value happiness above everything else. If you or I or he or she inserts something negative, then he or she is choosing that negative over something positive. I'm always shocked at how many people can snatch defeat right out of the mouth of victory every single time. There are some people that no matter how often you talk to them, they just cannot ever see a silver lining in the cloud. They always have to say how bad it is. Anybody know that person? Now look straight ahead. Don't, don't nudge anybody. I didn't. I, uh, but you see, this works for you, or it works against you in the negative. I am shocked at how many people will let a doctor tell them what's wrong with them. Here's something I've learned. Surgeons, if you tell them you have a problem, will always want to do surgery to fix it. Why? Because they're surgeons. The solution to a surgeon is surgery. Hello? Chiropractors will never think of surgery. They'll want to adjust you. Holistic health practitioners will never work with a surgeon. They'll say, wait, there's got to be a holistic health way to fix it. Here, take these herbs. Smoke some marijuana. <laughs> I'm not condoning, nor am I propagating this. I'm just saying how it comes across. But you have to understand that according to the expertise that that surgeon, that doctor, that person has, is how 
they're going to look at you. You give a symptom and you go to a urologist, I'm going to tell you, he's going to tell you what the problem is. But he's going to want to look at your plumbing. But if you go to a neuroscientist, if you go to somebody who studies the brain, they're going to want to tell you that, hey, listen, it's probably something chemical. Because that's their first port of call. Now, I don't say doctors are wrong. I think, I, in fact, I love doctors. If we didn't have good doctors, we'd have a lot of dead Christians. But what I'm saying is, I am shocked at how many people will take the prognosis or the diagnosis of someone and just take it to heart. And all of a sudden, this once delightful person now becomes a hypochondriac. Or this report is a negative report and, and they see no hope, no future. Especially when it comes to mental illness or emotional illness or psychological problems or sociological problems. It's easy to put a tag on someone, isn't it? What's hard though is for you to take the tag yourself. Because now, I am depressed. Well, if you are depressed, you've just replaced everything in your life with a confession and with a belief that you are depressed. You've displaced your chance to be anything but depressed. Are, are you following what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that there aren't situations where these things are real and we are depressed. I'm not denying the fact that people don't get depressed. I'm not denying the fact that we have medical, psychological, even spiritual experiences. But let me tell you something. The Bible is very clear and very replete on how we are supposed to carry ourselves in those circumstances. The Bible talks about blessed are those who overcome. The Bible talks about persevering and uh, having patience in times of hardship. Counting it all joy when these trials and tests and temptations come upon you. These are, these are terrible scriptures. Because how do you encourage somebody who says, I'm depressed and say, well, count it all joy, brother. No, but it's not, that's not what God's saying. God's not saying count it all joy. He, he, uh, he, uh, that, that's, not, that's not my job to tell you all joy. He says you count it all joy. What's he saying? Displace the negative with a positive. Displace it. Why? Because there's a law at work here. I've heard people say, but, but I need to explain how I got this way. It helps me understand and it helps other people understand how I am. You see, what's happening is this kind of a person is rationalizing his or her need to repeat their same old story. Telling the story. I know it, it could be justifiable. Telling your story could be justifiable if, it, if you're strictly in an analytical mode and you're trying to get fully into problem solving and you're trying to figure out. I think there's a time to tell our story. But there's some people that have made a habit of telling their story. And they're no longer trying to analyze or to change. It's just this is how I am. And it's because of this. And, and this story now 
has displaced any hope for a future. The Bible says, I give you a future and a hope. Is anybody listening to me this morning? How many of you have a worn out old story that you keep telling that's displacing something that could be positive or life-giving? You see, when we do that, we end up perpetuating the negative cycle. We begin to reinforce the neuron, the neuronal patterns in our brains. That's our habits of thinking. And in so doing, we exclude ourselves from building some happiness habits and some happiness. You know, more and more scientists are coming out and they're saying, hey, the way you think affects the way you feel. The way you think affects the hormones that are released in your body. And the neurons that fire inside your brain attach to other neurons. And if there's a negative vibe going on, it makes everything negative. And it secretes things that are negative in nature. But he says positive things can secrete positive things. They even did a test the other day I was reading about chocolate. They said that when you eat a piece of chocolate, it sends off the same endorphins as having sex. I've been eating a lot of chocolate lately. <laughs> endorphins, it makes you feel good. Can I tell you something? Positive thought patterns, positive relationships, positive and healthy and life-giving atmospheres make you healthy. Negative relationships, negative thoughts, negative conversations make you sick. And I know this isn't rocket science, but it's the truth. You know... No matter how much you tell somebody that they have to stop telling and retelling and retelling the same old story. If they don't, no matter how much they tell you or they try to convince you that they want to be happy, they're not going to be. And here's the irony. The irony is that most people really do want to be happier. But they just don't know how to shut their mouths and keep telling those old stories. They keep on displacing the happy by putting something else in its place. The law of displacement is at work in their life. One of the key concepts to growth in your life is to learn how to release yourself from the story. Stop telling your woe is me story. Our nation needs to learn this. I appreciate the fact that you fought a revolution. I appreciate the fact that you liberated the nation. But can I tell you something? 72% of the population of Africa is under the age of 24. And I'll just tell it like it is. They don't care. 
And in a few years, they won't remember. And for you old guys, to, all you can remember is your woe is me story. Now, I'm not against that. I'm saying, hey, but you know what? If it's made your life so miserable, why would we want to follow you in your misery? Just tap your neighbor. Say, I have no idea who he's talking about today. <laughs> Guys, listen, I'm not against what's happened in our nation. But can I tell you something? We need to look up and we need to start having a different narrative. There's got to be hope. There's got to be a future. There's got to be, hey, we can overcome. We can do something new. Turn us loose. How many of you have, now this gets a little touchy. How many of you know of somebody that when you get around them, you just know that there's going to be a certain point in the conversation or that, 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 that family event or that, that when the story's going to go back to, oh, no, not again. <laughs> not again. Oh, my God. And it just has, do you know anybody that just, every time they're around, they put a damper on everything? It's the same, oh, sorry, woe is me. I have such a tough life. <laughs> and I'm so sorry that you do. I am so sorry. But why don't you try to displace that with, hey, I met Jesus, I have a hope, I have a future, God can help me, God is on my side. You know, the law of displacement is pretty amazing, did you know that? Let me illustrate, D Daniel come up here. How many of you know you can't complain and problem solve at the same time? So are you going to complain or are you going to solve the problem? Hmm? Now that's for some of you. You know when we complain about how awful something is, such as politics. <clears throat> Not that anybody ever does that. But what we are basically protesting or complaining about is the lack of positive progress. The irony is that if we continue to protest, except in rare cases, we are excluding the time and effort that could be used to make progress. Of course, some politicians who are interested in getting reelected or staying in power no matter what or at all costs are excluding the good that they could be doing in the same amount of time because they're spending all their time Holding on to something but instead of really helping the people that they're meant to serve. Amen? So what I'd like you to do is put your Bibles down, close your laptops, do everything. And I'd like you to stand for just a minute.
I want to do a little experiment with you. This may or may not work, but let's just see what happens, okay? Now, while we're standing, I want you to put your heart in a place of worship. The Bible says, be still and know that I am God. So I want to lead you to a place where you can be still and know that I'm God. So just worship with me for a minute. Let's just worship him. Daniel. So Jesus, oh for Jesus, and all I am and have and ever hope to be. All of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, and I surrender these into your hands. For it's only in your will that I am free, and for it's Okay, be, okay, just be quiet. You can control that. 
I'm trying to teach you something. Why is it that every time it's quiet, deathly quiet in church, we want to displace it with something noisy? Be still and know. There's no reason to make any noise now. Just be still. You can control your emotions. Let God speak to you. Let God minister to you. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That which I have handled this is when God can speak to you. Can you look up here? I made my point. I go into prayer meetings and I see people that don't know how to shut up. And I think there's a time to pray in tongues. I think you should pray in tongues. But there comes a time when prayer should be as much listening as it is talking. You've prayed. What is God saying? But you're so busy displacing Things that you can't hear. Grab the hand of your neighbor next to you. Squeeze the right hand. Squeeze the left hand. Now turn to either person and say, I know he's talking about you today. It's not me. It's you. It's you. It's you. Go ahead and take your seats. Let's finish this up, okay? Thank you, Daniel. Did you get the illustration? See, I can always guarantee whenever it gets quiet, and, and I'm not trying to point out our sister. She may have a grief or a bird, but you know what? Usually it's much more than that. Usually it's, and it builds up to some kind of a nervous crescendo. Guys, don't be nervous. So another way of looking at the law of displacement might be called, we might call it the law of the vacuum. Sometimes there's a vacuum. And in that vacuum, what's going to fill that space? I've learned this. When I refuse to repeat any negative thought or I refuse to repeat any negative statement, it leaves room for good thoughts and it leaves room for good statements. Now, this may seem artificial. It may even seem restrictive to some people. But at least it is not allowing damage to my psyche or to your psyche through complacency or through neglect of control. The Bible says be self-controlled. 
There was a book by an author, his name was Don Miguel Ruiz. He called it The Four Agreements. And one of his major points was to be impeccable with your word. I like this book because, you know, I, I like the idea of being impeccable with your word. Because every time you're not impeccable with your word, when your word is not something that you can go to the bank on, you cause negativity on the inside of yourself. Don't allow harmful words or anything less than great words to come out of your mouth. In fact, here's how Philippians says it. In Philippians 4, in verse 8, the Bible says, the Apostle Paul, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Man, I like that. Are you thinking of noble things? Are you thinking of good things, pure things, holy things, praiseworthy things? Because if your mind is not going in that direction, I'm telling you something, it's being displaced with something negative, something else. Amen? That is what, this is why I suggest that every person, especially believers, should only allow clean, clear, true confessions and true thoughts to proceed from their mouth. Then begin to move from true and clean and pure thoughts and, and, and confessions into powerful confessions. Confessing things and displacing any complaining and anything that is a weak confession out of our life. See, we have to be impeccable about not speaking something that might not be true. And we must assure and be assured that we speak only that which is true. Now, what is true? What is truth? Thy word is truth. Jesus and his word are one. If you want to speak the truth, speak the word. If you want to be in alignment with what God says and get the blessings of God, speak what he says. Jesus said it this way, I only do what I see my father doing. I only say what I hear my father saying. And he gave you and I the Holy Spirit so we could do likewise. You know, in our thought life, we need to have a zero tolerance for speaking beliefs that do not pass the truth test. I'm shocked at how many of you that I meet are telling me things that aren't true. They're not true. Where did you hear that at? You heard somebody, it sounded great, it sounded funny, it sounded true, but it's not true. It doesn't line up biblically, it doesn't line up historically, it doesn't line up naturally, but you're talking like it's true. We need to only allow into the space what is provably true. And do not ever allow the space to be filled with any possible mis mistruths. Do not tolerate misbeliefs. Correct any belief that leads to an undesirable 
or unbiblical result. Never allow such a belief and never repeat anything that doesn't work. I'm shocked at how many things that we keep saying that haven't worked and we keep saying we're going to do these things. They haven't worked for years and we're going to do it again. It didn't work then, now we're doing it again. Not only our government, bond notes are to remain. Bond notes aren't working. You have a two-tier system, it doesn't work. But guess what? It doesn't matter if it works or not. We don't have to have truth. We deceive ourselves. We displace the truth with a lie. It doesn't make life better for the average Zimbabwean. It's not a solution. But it's the only solution that we're willing to think of. Now that's such an obvious one. But what about your life? How many times do you go down the same road thinking you're going to get another result? Well, this is how my parents did it. Yes, I know, but it didn't work for them. Why do you think it's going to work now for you? Well, I just don't know how to do any different. Well, now's the time to stop doing that and learn something different. Maybe you need to come to Bible school. Never allow such a belief. Never repeat anything that doesn't work. Correct it. Correct it right away. If we delay or don't do this consistently, we end up displacing whatever would work for us. Looking for what is occurring, seeing what works, seeking feedback, immediately correcting, writing our beliefs and behaviors, that's what, and we write our behaviors to what works. That's the key to live the life of a champion. To live the life that God promised. Look at what Joshua says. Joshua is speaking to a generation of people that he's led. It's the end of his life. He's about to die. And here's what he says. He says, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away your ancestral gods, the gods of your ancestors, the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors that you serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Boy, I'm going to tell you something. There's a man who made a decision and displaced the gods of his past, displaced some things that says, as for me and my household, we're going to serve God. We're going to do God's way how God wants it done. He displaced other gods. He displaced his parents' gods, his ancestors' gods. He displaced The Amorite way of doing business. So here's some things we need to replace and displace. 
replace and displace. We need to replace with or sometimes we need to use force to get rid of the opposites. We need to displace the stories that we tell. We need to make a commitment to never repeat the story. We need to let go of it. You know, I, how, how many of you have stories that you tell and you know they're lies? But you've told them for so long that they become part of the woof and weave of your personality. Yeah, let me tell you the one where yeah, that never happened. It's a lie. You know it's a lie, but guess what? You keep telling it, and it's locking you into an image. It's locking you into something that was never true in the first place. And it does a negative thing to you as a person. Some of those stories are negative. Some of you have negative feelings about yourself, and you tell these negative stories. Some of them are real. I was molested by my father. I was beat up by my father or my mother. I was, we were destitute. We, we, we had to, we were driven from our land. There's all those negative, negative stories. We don't want to forget our past. We don't want to forget our history, but you cannot dwell in negativity and be positive. Sometimes you just have to stop telling the story and you have to say, but God, but God, Jesus, I became a new creature. Yes, I was once lost, but now I am found. Yes, I had a hell of a life, but now I'm on my way to heaven. Jesus made the difference. And sometimes you have to cut off your past and move forward with a new story, a new life. Yes, we suffered, but can I tell you something? There is a hope and a future. There is a God who has a plan for me. Is anybody listening to me? Sometimes we need to start telling positive stories. Stephen, our first martyr, stood in front of the Sanhedrin. They wanted to get him into a negative narrative. They really did. But he couldn't. He stood up and he says, let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, let me tell you about the God that I serve, the God of Moses, how he delivered us from the Red Sea. And he goes from the book of Genesis all the way to Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And they couldn't stand it. They clogged their ears. And as they ran at him to throw stones at him, he says, I see the son of God standing at the right hand of the Father. And they stoned him and they killed him. But he wasn't giving a negative narrative. He wasn't cursing them. He was just telling the story, a good story. I honestly believe when he saw Jesus stand, his spirit left his body and they stoned a body, but he felt nothing. Come on, folks. What's your positive story? Let's start telling our positive story. Let's displace that negative. Stop, stop believing the makeups, the made-up stories, as if they're the truth. Some of you, some of us, tell stories we, that have been made up. We know they're made up. Insist on the truth test, implementing correct beliefs, and do it as soon as you possibly can. Stop complaining, criticizing, and despairing. Only allow progressive problem solving or positive action and positive speech to come out of your mouth. Stop telling untruths. Make a commitment to only speak the truth. Stop being too busy to do the important things. Start making a commitment to doing higher level impact things. 
like exercising. Hello? Higher level impact things. How many of you know that sitting in front of a television, scooping a whole carton of ice cream. I didn't say your name. I, I know that. The, st hey, stop nudging him. Stop it. Sometimes you need to put the ice cream down and you need to go out and get on the treadmill or walk around the block. Because I'm going to tell you something. It's a more high impact. There's other things that are less impactful. Let's go for high impact. We have to move from non-directness, letting the random things into our life, into scheduling our lives, scheduling the things that are important, direct, the, begin to put things directly into your life that will bring the most positive impact in your life. Sometimes you need to make a plan about television. Can't just sit down and it's the default button. Turn it off. Sometimes you need to make a plan about reading. Sometimes you make a plan about learning. You need to have a preset intention that says, this year I'm going to accomplish this. This year I'm going to read five books. This year, I'm going to turn the television off and play games with my children. This year, I'm going to talk to my wife and my children. This year, I'm going to make sure that I clean out my garage. <laughs> anyway, is anybody listening to what I'm talking about? This year, I'm going to paint my house. Hmm. Well, let me give you a couple of other statements with the same basic idea. So, two bodies cannot occupy the same point in space at the same time. Is that correct? I mean, if I brought Brother Taz up here, Pastor Chikumba, and I said, I want you to stand exactly on the same spot. How many of you know they can't do that? One is going to give way to the other. In the same way, contradictory statements cannot both be true and in the same sense and false at the, in the same sense at the same time. One has to give way to the other. So here's what the Bible says. In 2 Corinthians, it says in the 6th chapter, the 14th verse, do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Another, another passage of Scripture says, can salt water and pure water come out of the same fountain? One has to displace the other. What do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and the devil, Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and the temple of idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God has said, I will live in them and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, make a decision. Come out from among them. Be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. 
and I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Almighty God. I love that. Some of us just need to come out from among them. You can't run all week in the pigsty and come to church and be clean. Some of us are like Pharisees, clean on the outside, but dead men's bones on the inside. Guys, we have to come to a place where we say, no, no, no. I'm going to align myself. I'm going to displace the negative with the positive. I'm going to displace those negative thoughts. I'm going to displace what the enemy has done with what God can do. It's the whole story of the Bible, folks. And it's a law, the law of displacement. I kind of improved on the law of displacement. I call it the law of improvement displacement. And what I'm thinking is you may want to consider that maintenance time, while it does displace productivity time, could be vital. Don't let excess productivity time cry out essential maintenance time. I see some of you are so overly productive that you forget to maintain what you already have. That's just a caveat, okay? I don't think I should say anything more to you. Tap your neighbor and say, Pastor, was on me today. Tap your other neighbor and say, you know what? I hate it when he preaches to you. I feel so embarrassed for you. I know that message is just for you. Isn't that right? It was for him, wasn't it? It was for him. You are perfect. I know you're perfect. Hmm? Come on, nudge him. Just tell him, see, it's for you. It's for you. Yeah, yeah. So listen to me. Think about this today. Think about this. What is it? that is causing displacement from the positive person that you want to be in your life. How many of you have a picture of yourself and you see yourself as this good person, this person that, and you just do it all right. It's just, but then there's something that displaces you from being that person you, and, and you, you allow that. What is that thing that you're allowing? What is that thought? What is that action? What is that decision? What is that activity that displaces you? Think about that. Are you willing to displace that which displaces you? Are you willing to take a positive and put it in the place of that negative? That's what the Bible says. That the Bible says that the confession of your mouth, the man who controls the confession of his mouth begins to control his thought life. And you eat out of the confession of your mouth. You eat out of what you begin to believe. I believe for years some things that were very negative about me. But can I tell you something? God shifted in my life and began to give me a confession. He began to show me who I was in Christ. And as I began to declare those things, 
my life began to change. Oh, there's still some things I'm struggling with. I'm your pastor. I'm not perfect. I'm not like you. But I'm not pretending either. I'm actually talking to people. Say, hey, you know what? I, I, I need to work on this area of my life. Can you help me? Man, when you see me talk, I can, you can tell my staff, I tell them, I say, hey, guys, I still bluster sometimes. Don't I, do I bluster sometimes? Do I, do I still bluster? Huh? Do you ever get chewed on by me? Something happens and I, and I catch myself. I say, Pastor Taz, I don't usually catch myself right now, a day or two later. I try, I'm trying to get it within 24 hours. Pastor Taz, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I got upset there. I, re, I overreacted. Would you forgive me? That bluster is not good. That's not what a man of God should do. But I'm still mad at that thing. I'm just not mad at you. I was never mad at him anyway. You blow off a little bit of steam, but you know what? That negative pattern isn't going to bring about the best results because it's unproductive. So you need to just catch it, step back, say, hey, God has it under control. God can show me a way. By my getting mad isn't good. It just, it just makes me look foolish. So let me stop getting mad and let me just say, okay, hey, guys, let's think about what the right answer for this is. Let's find a solution. And instead of defaulting to the way I've done it my whole life, let's just stop and say, hey, can you see a better way? God will make a way where there seems to be no way. God says he works all things together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So let's just believe that. Can we just try that for today? Boy, it's hard sometimes because guess what? You, I, grew, I probably grew up since I was five years old blustering. Things didn't go my way. <laughs> and I was right. I'm always right. <laughs> but I want to mature. Maybe by the time I'm 65, I'll be more mature. Amen. You pray that? Pray. Maybe our pastor will grow up by the time he's 65. Does anybody else see any area in your life that you need to grow up in? Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.